Welcome to Inside the Barn. I'm Sam Obermeyer. Joining me today is Luke Gazdick. In May, Luke retired after 11 seasons in the NHL and AHL. A native of Toronto, Luke played in the OHL with the Iriadas for three years before his professional career that included 147 NHL games with the Edmonton Oilers and New Jersey Devils. Almost a month ago, I guess, now that you formally announced your retirement, how do you feel a month later about that? Uh, I think it's still, um, it's still starting to set in a little bit. Uh, it's a bit of an adjustment. Um, I was fairly overwhelmed. I'd say the first week or so the week, uh, you know, week to 10 days after, after I dropped that on my social media, I was, uh, uh, I wouldn't want to say bombarded, but there were tons of calls and texts and, and, you know, comments and replies and stuff on my, on the stuff I put online, but um, it was very good too. It, it was great to hear from former teammates and, and guys that I hadn't spoken to in a long time. So uh, it, it's nice to, uh, I think I wrote on my Instagram, it's nice to feel loved. Like it was nice to hear from, from guys and uh, yeah, it's kind of real now though. <laughs> so it's, it's starting to set in a little bit, but um, it's been good. It's been good. Did that indicate maybe it, it surprised you? Maybe, and maybe that's just life. We don't appreciate people until, you know, there's a retirement party or somebody's leaving or something when it's like you notice them. Did that surprise you, the feedback you got, or maybe see the impact you've made on other people over your career? Yeah, I think what was interesting was I, I had people reach out that I didn't even know. Um, I, I had, um, you know, players that I played against, guys that I fought against, um, I'll shout one guy out. His name's Brandon Bolig, who we, we fought uh, a number of times. He played for Chicago and Rockford. And uh, he sent me a nice message just saying, hey, um, you know, I've been through it and congratulations on your career. You're a warrior kind of thing. And uh, it's nice to hear from guys I'd never met. I'd never met him in my life. So it, it, it's cool to see stuff like that and, and kind of see the impact you made, not only players, but, you know, fans and, and going all the way back to my time in, in Austin, which is uh, about 11, 12 years ago now. Uh, when I first got there, um, still have season ticket holders reaching out to me saying, you know, you're, you're always welcome here in, in Cedar Park and um, we remember you. So it's nice to uh, it's nice to uh, see, see the impact you made on certain people along the way. In the statement, which I encourage people to read and I can try to link to it or something, but it was really eloquent. You kind of said that um, in your heart, you'll, you always knew you'd know when it was time to move on. Was was there a moment or was it just something that gradually kind of made you realize, you know, okay, this is it. This is time. Um, I think it was gradual. It wasn't like um, like a light bulb turning off in my head uh, on the bus one day. It, it was it was fairly gradual. And, you know, my body wasn't in great shape. I, I was starting to break down a little bit. I've had a bunch of surgeries and, um, you know, my mind just wasn't there at certain points. And, and I just, I, I wasn't feeling it too much anymore. And then um, COVID hit us in, in San Diego. And uh, it just felt like every, everything kind of came together. And, and I took some time away. I took a good amount of time away to, to kind of, you know, you know, figure out what I wanted to do. And um, I decided that I just wanted to go a different direction and um, hockey was whether it's a part of my life in the future I'm sure it will be and will always be but the actual playing side of it I just decided that um, it, it was time for me to move on was the last I mean the last year and a half has been strange for all of us I don't know if that makes it easier and that it just took us all out of our you know the normal rhythm but did that kind of make you realize there was other stuff in your life or how have you been kind of using that time you said that you took away from the game 
Yeah, you're right. It kind of took me outside my comfort zone a little bit. Um, and then I would have loved to do some traveling and, and hang out with friends and family. But um, back here in Canada, especially in Toronto, we got hit pretty hard. So we weren't, we were virtually not able to do a ton. Um, and that kind of made me, um, that kind of made me appreciate it a little more. Um, uh, stuff that I like to do outside the game. I'd like to see the world a little bit. Uh, I'd like to spend more time with my family and uh, I, I'm a single guy, but uh, my brothers and sisters are all kind of spread out throughout the country too. So there's a certain uh, number of things that I, I would like to do over the next um, the next little bit here. And, and as the world starts to, you know, turn back into where we were uh, pre-COVID, uh, I'm looking to try to accomplish some of those. What, what's first on your bucket list? What do you want to do when, <laughs> when you can? I, I'd like to travel. I, I, um, I've done a couple trips. I've done maybe three trips now. One, my last one I did solo was to um, Southeast Asia. I went to Thailand and Indonesia just by myself backpacking through. And um, I love, I love Canada. This is my home. I, I think I'll always be here. Um, I'll always have a place here, uh, but I'd, I'd like to get out and see the world. I, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what, where the first stop is, but um, you know, I, I've been through Europe and Asia now. So I'd like to like to get out and see see some more of this uh, this uh, beautiful planet we have. One thing you know, I've talked to athletes, people in sports a lot. Some of the things I've always once was told was the best and the worst part is the traveling, and that you're away from home, but you you get to at least see North America or stuff like that. Was that neat getting to live in different places, whether it was in the minors or the NHL, and just see the different communities, even away from the rink, and how people are living and yeah, for sure. I was uh, 17 when I first moved away from home. I went to Pennsylvania, uh, bright-eyed kid. And then when I signed my first contract, I was 19, and I was on a flight to Boise, Idaho. I had never been, I had never been west of Texas, and uh, or you know anywhere on that side. And um, I, I got to experience so many things as a, as a young player. Um, especially when I was, you know, 20 and I, I got situated in Austin, Texas, which is still to the day, one of my favorite places, but we were on the road and we were going to Chicago and we were going back home to Toronto and we were in San Antonio and Houston and Oklahoma. And, um, and then when I got to the NHL, it was, it was even cooler where we were, you know, we were in Boston and we were in Tampa Bay and Los Angeles and New York city. And I was just living the life. It, it was cool. I was getting to travel around and, not only was I getting to travel around, I was getting paid for it to play hockey. I was, I was uh, showing up in a different city on the road every other night. And it was just such a cool experience for a guy like me, especially I've been single most of my career. I don't have any kids. And um, so the road was a cool place for me to go explore and um, check out new, you know, new regions and new areas that I probably wouldn't have had the chance to if I didn't play hockey. Their favorite city, any level that you get, get got to visit that you're kind of, that you always looked forward to? Uh, you know, I just mentioned it, but I was in Austin for four years and I know that might make me a little biased because I lived there, but I know even people coming on the road, opposing teams and players, it, they have that circled on their calendar. Um, Austin, super, super cool city, right in my wheelhouse, a lot of live music, good food, good people. Um, I love Texans. I, I, I loved it there. Um, I also ended in San Diego, which was incredible too. Um, on the NHL side, there's I mean, it's all just big, big cities. I always loved going to Nashville. Uh, that's always one I had circled on the, circled on the calendar. Um, but definitely Austin, Texas uh, holds a special place in my heart. What was the hockey culture like 
down there. Cause I think there's sometimes a Northern mentality of these, you know, these AHL or minor league teams, and yeah. po- po- podunk, not the Austin's podunk, but you know, rural Southern America. What was that yeah. like to get to play there? Well, it was wild. So we were an expansion team. Um, and I basically watched the, the steady growth. Um, I think our first game ever, we had about 200 people and I don't even think they knew what offsides or icing was or anything like that, but we fielded a pretty good hockey team. We ended up making the Calder Cup finals our first year. We lost in six games, but throughout that year, we gradually built the fan base and we were doing so many things in the community. We were always in schools and, and doing different things um, out, out in the public eye. Um, and we really helped grow the game. And in the four years that I was there, by the time I left after the four years, it was an ultimate destination for hockey. We were selling out every weekend game. You got to wait till football season's over first. It's prep is sad. High school football on Fridays, Texas Longhorns on Saturdays. Um, so you got to wait till the football's done. But we were selling out every game. Fans were waiting out there for autographs. It was it was really cool. And and circling back now, I know I still know some people there. Two of my former teammates are are the coaches there with the stars. And the minor hockey program there is growing faster than ever. And people are going to Austin to play hockey, which is something I never thought I'd say. I'm always interested in this too. I love rinks. I love visiting different rinks, whatever towns I go to and stuff. Was there a favorite rink, any level, whether from growing up to the NHL that you, you love playing and it's just unique or fun for you? Ooh, um, okay. So I'll bias by saying I always love coming home to Toronto, but that's an easy one. Uh, whether it was playing the Marlies or the Leafs, I, I was always uh, a little more fired up to play here. Um, I think my coolest couple experiences in the NHL were um, going to Montreal. The Bell Center in Montreal is, uh, I've never experienced something like that before. Uh, I'm a born and raised Leafs fan too. It hurt, pains me to even say that. But uh, it's just a cool building. And I think my kind of welcome to the NHL, like, you know, you kind of have that you made it moment was walking up the, uh, they got a huge spiral ramp that walks up at Madison Square Garden. And so you drive right through downtown Manhattan and you get dropped off and you walk up and just seeing the inside of Madison Square Garden from ice level, I just remember getting chills now thinking about it, but uh, MSG was one that uh, was really, really cool to be uh, to be on the ice and, and be a part of. You mentioned that welcome to the NHL moment. When when did you realize that the NHL was a possibility for you when you were playing? You know, I always had it in the back of my mind. I thought I was a pretty serviceable player in the minors. I did all the little things. Coaches asked. I you know I was fighting. I, I could score goals. Um, and I just, I just never got that opportunity with the Stars. I played four years in the minors and, and uh, didn't get called up. And then that fifth year, I actually – I had a really good camp in Dallas. And that's when I thought I – you know, I, I really thought I should have made the Stars at a camp that year. I thought I had a great camp, scored a goal in the last preseason game, fought a couple times. And that's when I kind of clicked. I was like, you know what, I, I think I'm ready. I think this, this is – not only attainable now like I I can get here and I can stay here Um, unfortunately they didn't feel the same way and I was on waivers the next day um, and the Oilers felt different and they they claimed me and I went up uh, went up to Alberta and yeah when you get claimed off on waivers they give you 30 days the team has to keep you for 30 days and it's basically like a trial for 30 days and I ended up being there for three years and I think it was some point within that 30 days where I was playing every night I was I was hitting I was fighting and I was contributing and uh, you know, working my tail off. And um, I kind of thought, you know, I, you know, I can stay here. I can do this. Do you think that that 30 day rule, did that help you in that it 
you know, Edmonton was going to be somewhat committed to you, but it also gave you that chance where they weren't just going to send you back down after a game that kind of will benefit you to get your long stay in Edmonton. Yeah. And I think I even remember having a conversation with Craig McTavish somewhere along those lines where, yeah, it's, it's not a hard 30 days. Like it's, you know, they claim me cause they, it's not like they watched me play one game and said, Oh, we like this kid. Like I, I had kind of been on their radar for a little bit is what he said. And, um, so I knew I had somewhat of an opportunity, whether it was going to be, you know, a couple games or a couple weeks or whatever it was of games. Um, I knew I had a little bit of time to prove it. So it was nice that you just didn't get called up for one game. They said, show me what you got. And then you're on a plane back to the minors. So I'm grateful for that. One thing I've always admired about, you know, the players who are kind of on that bubble is just how that has to affect people mentally to be going up and down, to be healthy scratches, you're in or out of the lineup. What was that challenge like for you at various points in your career? Like you said, you were in the minors for a while, you made it, and then you had some sustained success in Edmonton, but there were times where you were bouncing back and up. What's, how, how do you handle that? It's the toughest part, to be honest. It is the single toughest part. Um, when I was in Austin, like I said, no call-ups. So I was kind of, kind of had my feet planted there. Uh, Edmonton, I was always kind of on my toes just because I was still on a deal where they could send me down and I wasn't really sure. Um, I was down a bit with Oklahoma City and then my last year, Bakersfield, a little bit. So up and down. And then the year where I really was, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say messed up in the head, but um, was in Jersey. I, I was... I was basically living out of my truck. I stayed in hotels the entire year. I think I was seven month season. I think I lived in a hotel for upwards of almost six months, five, five and a half months, something like that. Um, I had all my suits in the back of my truck hanging up. Um, you know, they called and say, oh, you're going down to Albany. And then I, I remember getting down to Albany and I practiced one game. And then they said, hey, you know, we need you in Washington tomorrow or we need you to play tomorrow. So I was back on another flight. So it's tough. Like it's, it's, um, it's probably the hardest thing about doing it um, is just, you know, being unsure of where you're going to be. And um, you can't control that though. All I could control was just, you know, showing up every day. And, and like I said, working my tail off and I just went where they told me to go, but uh, it's definitely not easy. Were, were there any coping mechanisms or things you did, people you talked to that kind of level you or make, help you get through that? Uh, not really, but there's, there's it's not like they're the only one I, I there was another defenseman I was playing with um, Seth Helgeson who was on uh, Jersey and Albany with me and he was doing the same thing he was a D-man I was a forward and I think he had all his clothes in his truck too like we were we were kind of just bouncing off each other like we were he'd be up I'd be down and then we'd stay in the hotel together so there's always a crew of guys that are around that are in the same position there's there's always you call it the hotel crew there's always guys on extended stays and um, guys living out of vehicles and, and driving from the minor league city to the major league city. And um, so it's always nice to have teammates and guys you can bounce stuff off and, um, and definitely have some guys to hang out with. One thing you've talked about a lot and I'm reading into things you've said and you read you've done, you've talked a lot about the importance of teammates. Um, and I, I read some things like when you're in Edmonton, you would make meals for guys and stuff like that. How important was, is that camaraderie, that group or into wanting to play and making it fun oh that was my favorite part and I think that's what I'm going to miss the most is like um those nights before game we started stuff like that in Austin um in Austin the night before every like weekend homestand kind of thing like if we were at home you know let's say Friday Saturday or even Edmonton let's say we played on Friday night 
Um, Thursday night, I'd make sure we'd have a bunch of guys over. I uh, usually had a roommate or two. I usually lived with guys, but anyone that was close who'd been walking distance or anyone that wanted to come over, you know, come over, let's have, you know, let's have a meal. Let's, you know, tell some stories um, and, and just, you know, get ready for the match tomorrow. I, I loved hanging out with my teammates away from the rink and um, that camaraderie, just sitting around a, a kitchen table or, or, you know, watching a game on TV. Uh, that was the most fun for me. How important is that to team success? Because you hear that all the time about team chemistry and stuff. Does, does that really impact what happens on the ice? Uh, yes and no. I played on some teams where guys, there's, you know, not everyone loves each other. Like there's, there's always going to be some stuff in the dressing room. Like not, it's not, not all perfect, but uh, for the most part, yeah. The, the teams that I've had success with do a lot of stuff away from the rink together. That's number one. And just genuinely get along. Like there, there was, uh, there was some groups I played with. I remember my last year in Austin was probably one of the best ones. My first year in San Diego, we uh, made the Western conference final and, and we'd leave the rink and it was just like, Hey, what are we doing today? Kind of thing. And guys were always hanging out. It didn't matter if you're married, you had kids, you're, you know, 21 and single, like the guys were always mixing it up. And uh, I found that those teams that have that bond usually were uh, transferred over to having the most success on the ice. Did you enjoy being more of a leader the last, as you got older as a veteran, you know, and some of these teams helping the young players in San Diego, or is that kind of a role you embraced? Yeah, I think that's always just been in my DNA too, though. Um, I was a captain early on, all the way back to my Erie Otters days. I think I was a captain only in my second year, and um, I was a captain in Austin for a couple of years. Um, I, I've always just had that, you know, I've, I've worn that on my sleeve a little bit to try to take guys under my wing. And um, it didn't even matter if you were older. I just tried to lead by example. And then obviously it's fun. 180 towards the end of my career where I looked around uh, my second year in San Diego, my last year of professional hockey. And I think the average age on our team was about 22, something like that. And um, me and Corey Tropp were the oldest guys. We were 30, 31. And, um, it, it was crazy, but it, it was cool to have kids look up to you and ask questions. And, you know, I wasn't ever the most skilled guy or anything like that, but like guys would ask me for advice on and off the ice and, um, it was nice having, having kids leaning on you and, and you doing the same for them. Cause we had a core in San Diego, Troy Terry, Max Jones, Sam Steele, Isaac Lundestrom, all these kids that were just so good and they just needed a little seasoning. And sometimes they just wanted to, uh, you know, to shoot the breeze with you. And, and I, I, I enjoyed that. Is it hard to have your San Diego career kind of end the way it did with the pandemic where you, you didn't get a final game there or, you know, I don't know if you would have known it was your final game, but get maybe, you know, the ending just kind of came like it did for lots, lots of teams that year. Yeah. And I look back on that and I talked about in, in my letter that I don't really have any regrets. I wouldn't call that a regret just because it's out, it was out of my hands. It's not like I chose to, chose to leave. Um, we were essentially forced. Well, not essentially. Yeah, we were forced. So we flew, we all flew home. Um, if you were out of country, yeah, we flew home. So uh, we had an idea that it might start back up, but I think everyone kind of knew. We saw the trajectory of where the where the virus was going, and we kind of just knew. And yeah, it kind of sucks because I don't even I'm off the top of my head. I don't even remember the last game I played. It might have been against the Ontario Rain, but um, yeah, it's it is what it is. Uh, I, I got to play a lot before that, so it's it's not like I said, it's not a crazy regret of mine just because um, it wasn't my choice, but. 
hey, that's the way it goes. So some players, when they retire, won't lace up the skates again. Uh, are you planning on a, a beer league adventure? Do you still want to play? I can tell you that gear that's at home, it, it hasn't been open too many times. Uh, I've taken the skates out. Um, I lived up uh, in central, north, north central Ontario for the winter, and I built a little backyard, um, not backyard, but rink on the lake. So um, took a couple spins out there. Uh, but no, I haven't been playing too much hockey. Um, We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll probably get back into it at some point. I'm hoping, like I said, my body wasn't doing great towards the end. Um, starting to break down. I, I had a couple major injuries and just the, the, the little things started accumulating with, uh, with age. And um, it's been nice just to take a break away from, from that exercise and, and, um, and being able to step away for a bit. You're, you grew up in Toronto, like you said. Your your dad was drafted in the NHL by Buffalo. So I'm imagining the game has always been around you. But how how did you fall in love with it as a kid? Yeah, I was just kind of born into it. Um, I had an older brother who was two years older. Um, he played. Like I said, my dad got drafted to, or like you said, sorry, my dad got drafted to uh, to the NHL to Buffalo in in 1978. And I didn't really understand the draft at that young, but I still thought it was so cool. I just have seeing your dad's name with NHL beside it was, was super cool for me. He was a really good player, uh, junior player in Sudbury with the Wolves. Um, he was just kind of who I, I looked up to. And as soon as I could get a pair of skates on, we were at that backyard rink, you know, every, every day I could, I was faking sick to skip school some days to, to be out there with, uh, you know, myself and my brothers. I had a younger brother as well. And, uh, so we were always out there playing and uh, everyone in the neighborhood played like we, everyone on my street played. So we were playing road hockey in the, in the summer and we were playing ice hockey in the winters. And uh, I just fell in love with it. And, uh, and in Toronto, it's an easy place to fall in love with it because it's everywhere. It's on TV and it's at every rink and every kid plays. So it's uh, it's everywhere here. How much did your dad impact your career? How much did he teach you? He's been there every step of the way. And what I love about my dad is he uh, he's, ta he's taken a pretty passive approach, I'd say. He was never too hard on me. Uh, he always wanted the best for me, but um, he always wanted me to have fun with it, too. Um, I was very hard on myself growing up and even through my teenage years, even through my pro career. I was always very tough on myself, uh, put a lot of pressure on myself. But he was always that calming influence. And no matter how bad I played or I thought I played, he was always there with a positive comment. And um he always just had me going in the right direction and on top of him driving me out to rinks at six in the morning or 10 at night whatever it was when I was 11 with three other siblings and you know they always had to be places too so they made it work and I'm forever grateful for him and my mom for for all they did for me was that neat for your family to get to see you play your first NHL games to get to watch this career kind of through them yeah I, I, I mean you'd have to ask them because we keep our emotions pretty close to our chest, our family, but I, there has been a couple slips where, um, where they've said some really cool things. I remember my brother telling me how cool it was. He lives out in Calgary now in Alberta and um, my first battle of Alberta, um, I fought Brian McGratton that night, actually. He was a little scared for that, but um, we came in with Edmonton. It was pretty early in the season. I believe it was like November, maybe something around there. And uh, I just remember him saying to me how cool it was to see me on the ice, the saddle dome. And he was trying to figure out how it was real. He just like, he said, I can't believe like you're out there and you're playing with these guys. And, um, and even getting to go back home to Toronto. I think my first game back home to Toronto, I had about 30 people there and, 
um, it's definitely super cool. I used to take the train into to the ACC. I think it's called Scotiabank now, but um, I used to take the train down to go watch games with my dad. And I was in love with a bunch of those guys in the early 2000s. That was my, that was my squad. And now I'm playing on the same ice as, as those legends. So um, definitely gratifying for me, but uh, I'm sure they thought it was pretty cool as well. You mentioned as a kid, you thought it was neat that your dad had that NHL drafted next to his name. What was that like for you when you got drafted? It was a while. It was wild. I actually, people say, you know, I didn't think I was going, I truly didn't think I was going to get drafted. I didn't talk to anybody. I talked to one team and it was the Dallas stars. And it was on, on Wednesday, I believe the draft was on Friday. The first round was on Friday. I wasn't going first round. Um, and then two to seven on Saturday. And I sat down with the regional scout from, um, you know, the GTA area here. And we sat down at a Toronto restaurant on a Wednesday and I, you know, had lunch, talked for about an hour and I didn't think much of it and uh, told my parents not to call me. Uh, I went to a prom the night before on the Friday. And um, yeah, Saturday I got a call like around one and no one had called yet. And I, I remember thinking, you know, I told my mom not to call, but I'm sure if I wanted that draft that she would have called and she kept her word, didn't call me. And uh, my buddy called me at about one o'clock screaming, you just went 170, you went to Dallas. And I just remember thinking how cool that was. I was like, Dallas, that is, that's freaking awesome. Um, I just remember watching the stars growing up. My younger brother loved Mikey Medano and watching that, you know, watching their cup runs. And it was just a cool day. We, uh, we had a pretty good party that night. We invited a bunch of people over and, um, definitely just a super cool moment, uh, that, you know, no one's going to be able to take that away. It's, it's cemented on there for, uh, you know, for the rest of my life. I think you, you proved them wise, even if they didn't play you, you, you made the NHL probably a lot more than a lot of people in the sixth or rounds or after that. Yeah. So that, yeah. That is neat. Uh, one other thing I, you posted, I mentioned earlier, you, you love music. So is that another part of your life that maybe you'd like to look into or what impact has music had on you? Yeah, music is, other than hockey, it's probably my favorite thing in life. Um, and you can look at every sense of it. I, I'm always listening to music. I'm, I'm, uh, it's been in my blood for years. It was one thing my dad kind of got me into. I was listening to classic rock when I was like eight years old. Other kids are listening to you know, and thinking the Backstreet Boys, and I was listening to, you know, Led Zeppelin and ACDC and Black Sabbath when I was like nine years old. I uh, got my first guitar when I was 12. Um, I was in a band in high school. We played gigs all through Toronto until I had to go leave for Erie. Um, and now, yeah, I collect vinyl. I, um, I got a nice record player, and I'm always listening to my vinyls, and I got a whole band set up at my house with drums and mics and a PA system, and I love jamming, and Anyone that has a guitar or musical instrument, I'm always looking to jam. And I'd love to make it a part of my life in some way. I love live music. I'm, I'm good friends with a couple um, with a couple bands and, and singers that uh, that some people might know. And I don't know. I just love to do something something with that in the future or have it, you know, involved in some way. So you still play? Do you play publicly? Would you play for your teammates, or how, how open yeah, are you? Just, yeah, just just teammates and buddies. Uh, I don't play any gigs or anything because I can't sing for I can't sing for crap. I wish I had. My only thing I can't do is I got no voice. But um, I got to yeah, it's sitting right over. There's my my tailor is sitting right over there on the couch. Oh, there there it is. <laughs> nice sitting, sitting up there. Sorry, yeah, it's my tailor, my little acoustic. It's sitting on the couch and. Uh, yeah, if people are over, 
you know, or if we're at a cottage, I always love picking it up and playing. But uh, even when I'm just sitting around, just hanging out, uh, I just love strumming a few chords and, and learning new music. Okay, I'll get you out of here this. Who are you listening to right now? Or who would you recommend people check out? What, what kind of music are you into? Who? okay. So I'm still listening to a lot of rock. Uh, Greta Van Fleet is a rock band uh, that I am uh, obsessed with. Um, I'm listening to uh, even like uh, country rock, like uh, I like this would call it outlaw country, Sturgill Simpson, uh, Ryan Bingham, Chris Stapleton. I love guys like that. And then, yeah, like my, my buddies from back home, I always shout them out. The Arkells from Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, great rock band who I always love listening to, but I listen to everything too. I can't wait. Drake's dropping a new album at the end of the summer. I love hip hop. I love country, um, but I, I do love I do love the rock music. So that's uh, that's some of the stuff I'm on to right now. Yeah, I think probably you and a bunch of other people, me included, are, are hoping that concerts are maybe something this summer that can happen. We'll, we'll have to see about that. I know. That's my biggest thing I'm missing right now is any sort of live music. So uh, we'll see how we go here in, in the GTA. And yeah, hopefully I can get out and see some, uh, see some performances. All right. Thanks so much for your time, Luke. I really appreciate this. It was fun and congrats on a great career and good luck with whatever does come next for you. I appreciate it. Uh, anytime, anytime. Thanks again to Luke for coming on the show. If you enjoyed the conversation, check out previous episodes in the archives. Please subscribe to Inside the Barn on Apple, Spotify, or Google. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Over. Thank you for listening.